I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GCE became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. They indicted me. In other words, whatever documents a president decides to take with him, he has the absolute and unquestioned right to do so. This is a law that was passed and signed. And that's the law, and that's the way it is, and it couldn't be more clear. They did indeed indict him, Robert Gibbs. Uh, that is a fact. And apparently, they may indict him again. I understand we have breaking news this morning, Axe. Yes. A little breaking news music there, Jeff. <laughs> All right. Okay. And who better to discuss breaking news with than the one, the only, the the host of Inside Politics uh, at CNN, our friend Dana Bash. Dana, good to see Hi, you. Hi, guys. It's so what's ha- what, what is happening here? It's another oh day, another, another looming indictment. What, what's going on? What's going on is that uh, the former president put on his social media platform that he has received a target letter from the special counsel, Jack Smith, uh, specifically about what happened on January 6th. Do you want me to read what he said on Truth Social? Yes, Okay. Please. Okay. Deranged Jack Smith, the prosecutor with Joe, Joe Biden's DOJ, sent a letter, parentheses, again, it was Sunday night, exclamation point, end parentheses, stating that I am a target, all caps, of the January 6th grand jury investigation and giving me a very short four days to report to the grand jury, which almost always means an arrest and indictment. There you go. Yeah. It's pretty big news. It's a good thing that in that previous segment, he understands that indictment is clear because (laughs) it sounds like he understands exactly what's about to go down. When you, when you've had it happen before. Yeah, he knows the routine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and guys, here's the interesting thing. You'd think these, as we said, these indictments would hurt. But Trump has set up this this construct where they become symbols of his defiance on behalf of his aggrieved followers. Let's Let's listen to another clip from that same conference over the weekend. Every time the radical left Democrats, Marxists, communists, and fascists indict me, I consider it to be a great badge of honor and courage. I'm doing it for you. I'm being indicted for you. Better me than you, right? And he said what he's what he said many times before now, which is, you know, they're coming after me because they're coming after you. Better me than you. I'm doing this for you. It's a shield. So, Robert, if you want to write him a thank you note, I think he's at (laughs) Bedminster. This. This summer, but but Dana, I think we underestimate the power of his message 
And the real question is, how many bricks can you put on this load? And do they actually strengthen him? Bec- uh, you know, each indictment, a certification of the, uh, the, the viciousness with which he's being pursued in his own estimation. Or do people say, eh, this is one brick too much for the load? It depends which people you're talking about, as you both well know. But it does feel as though it's it's about bricks and it's about the cumulative effect that you're describing with that metaphor. But it's also this specific issue. There was New York. There were the documents. This is about the fundamentals of democracy and the question of whether or not the special counsel, the prosecutors, felt as though their case was strong enough not just to target the lawyers and the people around him selling him the bill of goods, but whether or not it was Donald Trump himself who was pushing this and the whole question of intent. I mean, I'm just reading a little bit more from our reporting. Uh, Prosecutor's decision to send Trump a target letter makes clear prosecutors are focused on Trump's actions in the investigation into overturning the 2020 election and not just those around him who tried to stop his election loss. Um, you know, they have been investigating for for quite some time. It has been that open question whether or not they have the goods on Trump. And if you're going to go as far as indicting a former president on something this big, you would think that you have some pretty clear evidence. A hundred percent. But you said the right thing before, which is it depends on which people. The people I'm focused on right at the moment are the people mm-hmm. who are going to vote in that Republican primary. Mm-hmm. And and Gibbs, so far, so yep. far, he has not uh, shown a lot of wear and tear. In fact, you know, I, I said the other day, maybe when I was with you, yeah, like I don't know whether the, these bricks are uh, kryptonite or energy packs. That right. they're loading on his uh, on his on his uh, wagon there. Uh, do you think this one? You you think this one's different? No, I don't. I I mean I mean let's separate the politics from the judicial. Uh, Robbie, obviously in the judicial, this is this is this is huge. This is a big earthquake. But in the politics of it, could, do you imagine the group that he was talking to of the clip you played acting any different as a result of this? news than they did when they were clearly cheering out of their minds uh, over the weekend? The answer to that's just no. I mean, he's become strengthened. And that rhetorical shield that you talked about is this idea, and it's been this way really since he, he came down the escalator in 2015, is I'm protecting you against them and them is any other boogeyman out there that threatens you. And so I don't, I mean, I think it's a combination of two things. I think he's strengthened. And I think as we get into this discussion, I don't really see a lot of time left in the Republican nomination fight, but it's hard to see right now that somebody is putting together the building blocks to push him off that mantle right now. I, I just don't see it. I I, I know, and if it, I've had this argument with Murphy for more than a year, and if he was here, he'd say, but look at the Republican mm-hmm. polling that shows all these people that are open to voting for somebody else. Yeah, you still got it. Somebody else has got to be that person, and I just don't see that person right now. Yeah. I mean, Dana, he's right that if Murphy, Murphy, and I tease him about it every week, I can't, he's a brilliant guy, but I can't tell whether he's speaking with his heart or his head. <laughs> Because he's sounds like his heart. 
He's trying to recover the Republican <laughs> Party that I don't know exists anymore. It doesn't. But, you know, Trump has brilliantly constructed this race uh, as him versus the deep state, the elites, uh, the people who his base feel is tormenting them. And, you know, you I don't know, you probably read the piece in The Times uh, this morning about their plan, his plans. Yes. Basically to seize control from all these independent federal agencies, the FEC and others. Uh, he's already said, as has DeSantis, by the way, that he was going to treat the Justice Department and the FBI like any other federal agency, i.e. he'll he'll run them. Uh, I mean, it's really sort of the doorstep to autocracy. Yep. But in a sense, I mean, they obviously wanted that story written because they are quoted in the story. There's <laughs> this is one more example. I, and they got this target letter on Sunday. This story appeared on Tuesday morning. I think yep. it's you know, you can see him building the case. I'm going after them on behalf of you. And so they're yep. going after me. Totally. And so my question for you two experienced Democratic uh, operative operatives and big political brains is uh, let's just accept the <laughs> I think premise. A big political bullshit artist, but no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, let's pick I mean, brains. Yeah, let's pick brains. <laughs> those go, two things those go hand true. in glove. Two things, yeah, two things can be true at once. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, let's accept the premise that. This helps Donald Trump in the short term. It's going to be virtually impossible, if not completely impossible, for any of his Republican competitors to to uh, catch up with him. He becomes the Republican nominee. Do you believe that this makes it more likely for Joe Biden to win in a general? Gibbs, you want to take the first swing at it? <laughs> um Look, I, I was thinking about this yesterday in preparation for this. I mean, you're in your Wait, you heart. you prepare in, for this? Yes. I, well, I was just thinking as I was driving. <laughs> when just did to that be clear, happen? Just to be clear, I was just thinking while I was driving. Um, but, but, but I, I mean, in your in your heart of hearts, you want to say, oh gosh, to 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 access thing, which I, you know, we we both have said this metaphor a lot. This idea of bricks on a load. Okay, this just this is just one too many. The wagon wheels fall off. Um, I, I just. I don't I guess I'm walk me through how a lot of the people that voted for him in 2020 are repulsed by what's happened since the polls closed in 2020. I mean, I mean, yes, there's been a lot of repulsive I mean, I things. Can, I can. Yeah, I can give you a lot of arguments, but but arguments. Yes. But impact on all on those voters. Because I mean, because my point is, 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 is it does it fun? Did, did something that happened on January 6th or after go, wow, holy, wait a minute, he's this? Wait a minute, I thought he was something totally different. I think it's a toss-up race. I can make the argument that, yeah, some things have changed. But, you know, Biden always likes to say, don't compare me to the compare almighty, me. compare me to the alternative. That thing works both ways. Uh, and, you know, these guys are sort of codependents. They're each counting on a binary race against each other and being able to yeah. win those and uh i think that um i do think that the 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 weight of all of this and the fact that trump now in 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 more explicit terms is uh speaking as an aspiring autocrat uh and 
I, I think the reality of what it would mean, as it becomes clearer what it would mean, the American people will be the jury, okay, in Donald Trump's case, because if they elect him, he will uh, he will make those cases go away. He he they are his get out of jail free card. Literally. And I think that there are a lot of Americans there. There are some independent voters out there who are uncomfortable with that. Against that are the questions about Biden. And I've said this before, you know, I, I can make a very straight faced case that Biden has done a really good job under very difficult circumstances. He's got a lot of accomplishments to his credit. Uh, you know, we just saw the NATO summit last week, yeah. uh, at which, you know, he, he, he has shown real leadership and in a difficult time and brought the world together. Inflation numbers are coming. You know, there are a lot of things going on that, you know, but that's not the question. The question that people are asking is what's he going to be like tomorrow and the next day and a year from yeah. now and when he's 85. And so I think that makes it what you say, a toss up race question and this is a topical question are the third party candidates going to tip this yeah. race yeah mm -hmm. i i think the short answer dan is that biden has access to more voters right that that are that would consider him the question ultimately is you know is the fervency of those that are supporting you and uh and you know and to to david's last point is does somebody take some percentage of that and we know Yep. We can we can deal with no labels in, in in many different ways, but but if you look back, you you know, 2016, um, Jill Stein uh, didn't win uh, any of those states, uh, any of the sort of so-called blue wall states, but she took enough votes that conceivably had all of those votes gone to the Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton would have won, yep. right? You, you, and oh, for so, sure. And now you have Cornell West. Yes, Cornell West, I think, is a more muscular. Totally. Like, I think Cornell West is a more known. I watched Cornell. I don't know if you saw this, either of you guys, with uh, Anderson last night. It was really, it was really entertaining because two, you know, they're smart guys and they were going at it. But as I was listening to uh, a Cornell, uh, who I know from, and you know him too from the Obama yeah. years, um, I'm thinking this guy's gonna. Can you see, yep. uh, you go to Madison, Wisconsin, this yep. guy's going to get votes in Madison, Wisconsin, yep. in a state yep. where uh, Biden won by 20,000 votes. It yep. doesn't take that much to tip these elections before you ever get to, you know, no label. So I watched in succession yep. uh, Joe Manchin in, uh, you know, flirting. Uh, Durbin called him yesterday the biggest tease in politics, uh -huh. which I thought was perfect. <laughs> He's and, been saving you know, that, he, I think. He did everything but hike up, <laughs> hike up his pants to show his legs uh, at this uh, no labels thing in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll probably get letters on that, huh? But uh, but uh, maybe <laughs> yeah, I'm dating myself. I guess email is what you get today, right? Yeah. But um, and and he's saying, and he clearly was opening the door uh, to running. If those two guys were on the ballot, and it's not just uh, a comparison between you and uh, your alternative, but there are several alternatives. Biden has more to lose. There's just no, there's just no doubt about it. And I totally agree with you with Cornell West. I mean, you can imagine in in places, you know, in does he pull off enough votes in Philadelphia uh, to make Pennsylvania dicey? You said Madison or Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, to me, 
far more important. Well, but but inner city areas, but I think the campuses are campuses too, a big sure. spot for it yep. because, yeah. you know, his, his was an indictment from the left of Biden. It's interesting. Poor Biden was getting pilloried by Manchin for going too far left and pilloried by uh, West for being too far right, mm-hmm. which may be that he's mean that he's in the right spot, but they're going right. to get votes. And uh, no, I so the answer to your question is, despite everything, Do I think Donald Trump could win if he's nominated? I actually, yes, I think Donald Trump, I can see that. And, you know, would he win without that third third party? I think it's harder, but, you know, it depends on it depends on how Biden's performing at that time. But and it also depends whether people are going to focus on how much people value democracy how much people value rule of law think of what it would mean to have a president who is in th- under four separate indictments get elected uh he'll make and he can make all the federal indictments go away he can't make the uh he can't make the the, the state indictments go away but they will pro- they will if they follow the pattern will defer those um so it's his get out of jail free card but what does it say about the rule of law if by fiat the president of the united states escapes accountability uh and then you get to this whole plan of his to basically take power away from mm-hmm. uh independent government agencies including the fbi and the department of justice we're looking at sort of the american version of victor orban at that exactly. point so uh do people care about that i mean that's what we're going to find out um you know we 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 all of us all of us hacks we kind of we're (laughs) we we kind of focus on the day-to-day but you have to take a step back and say what would it actually mean if this guy got reelected? and do the american people care about that you know i mean he has he has he has uh very strategically chipped away at all of the these institutions public support for all of these institutions that used to be revered maybe too revered and and now because they have so many cracks in them it'll be easier for him to just bulldozer them and by the way that includes us <laughs> in the media uh i mean he's been quite successful at uh at using us and uh and making us a foil and that's another scary thing not to make this all about us but you know but why not listen i, I just want to say this i'm doing this from a secret undisclosed location so i'm prepared <laughs> for the trump years we will elude him and continue to bring truthful factual banter week after week right gibbs aren't we committed <laughs> you and i are survivalists right we'll just head to yeah. the woods and start a shortwave radio podcast yeah yeah <laughs> I, no we'll I, go to I whole mean, foods look- and we'll load in some provisions <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll bring my electric car. So, so not a joke. Um, but, but, <laughs> I love your. I love those Biden imitations. But anyway, go ahead. But the, Dan, I think the 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 you, you hit on an interesting point because I think it it all depends on the lens with which you're looking at this. And we talked about so what you you know what audience of people. I, I think there's going to be a, an audience of people that think. And there have been for a long time that think their government isn't on their side, right? For whatever yes, exactly. reason. And I think that, that, you know, I mean, I think, I think we can somewhat sometimes quickly boil this down to who's for democracy and who's not, or who's, for, but in reality, I don't know that it's that clean or that binary. Cause I think there's a lot of people 
again, those are the people that he says, look, they're coming after you, but I, they're coming after me to come after you. And so I, I think it's basically saying to, to them, look, you've got it. The grievance shoot is wide for Donald Trump, right? You can, you can have a grievance over what he specifically has a grievance over, which my guess is prosecutors right now, but it could be a lot of different things. And that funnel, you know, is, is the group of access to voters that he has. And I also think too, David, you're totally right. I mean, it all depends. What we, what we don't know is obviously a series of things that may or may not happen, but how do these candidates perform standing next to each other? Who else is on that stage? Who else is on that ballot? We got a debate coming up on August 23rd. Why in the world would Donald Trump show up for that? I mean, uh, I guess ego would be the answer. No reason. We have yeah. this ad from uh, Chris Christie. Let's let's play this ad because he's clearly knowing Trump as he is. I mean, this is from his super PAC, but they're trying to goad Trump into showing up. We know what's in your head, Donald. Now that Chris Christie has qualified, should you show up to the debate? Because if you do, your opponents will bring up the impeachments, the indictments, bring up how you lost to Joe Biden, lost the House, lost the Senate. They will remind everyone you didn't build that big, beautiful wall and not one peso from Mexico. That instead of balancing the budget, you increased it by six trillion. That you never repealed Obamacare. Because that's what they'll say if you show up especially that guy Christie. But if you don't go, you'll be called a coward, a chicken, reduced to throwing spitballs from the sidelines. So, Donald, you need to decide. Are you a chicken or just a loser? Tell it like it is, Pac is responsible for the content of this advertising. <laughs> How'd that guy get through that script without laughing? That's what I want to know. How well, many takes did that take? Were, oh, you yeah. know what, guys? I, I'm going to get the answer to that question because I want to know and I'll let you know how many takes because I bet it was many. But here's the bigger question. You're Donald Trump. You're sitting there with your cheeseburger. You're watching TV. This ad comes Coke. across and your Diet Coke. Like, how, what do you think? I mean, I think if I listen to this ad, I'm thinking, the hell I'm going to show up. Why should I show up? I'm, I'm 30 points ahead. I mean, am I missing something? No, you're not. Uh, well, maybe a little bit. And that is that Chris Christie knows the psychology of Donald right. Trump better than right. any of us. And so those buzzwords were intentional. Loser. Yes. Coward. Yeah. And, chicken. Uh, yeah. And chicken. Like, you know, loser goes, I mean, we're going to go deep here goes to his father, Fred Trump, who said, you can never like you can never yeah, be a loser, you're the which killer is, or a loser is what he said, which is why he still hasn't admitted that he lost because his, right. his election, which would mean he's a loser. So he's using those words to try to goad him right, right. to the stage. Um, I, there's there's a, well, before the target letter, there was a suspicion among uh, Republicans, both in campaigns and in the party that maybe they could convince Trump to go to the first debate. Uh, but he would probably skip the second because he can't stand the Reagan library where it's going to be held because uh, they invited every Republican who's ever been born to speak there except for him. And he is very upset about that. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, not a chance. Not a chance. He'll come at all. Not a chance. No, I don't. I don't. I think I mean, look, first of all, you, you can look at Chris Christie's FEC report and realize that his entire candidacy is built on five or six debates, right? 
He raised, what, a million bucks? He's not going to be president of the United States, right? There's zero chance. Um, and so I, I don't, I just don't think Trump's dumb enough to get roped into doing this debate. One, he doesn't want to give Fox the ratings. Two, he realizes he can go somewhere and create maybe as big or, counter you know, a, yeah, counter event, a big crowd. And so I just don't, you know, and he, he also knows he's going to be a pin cushion in that debate. And, you know, to his point, if, if he's got 50% and everybody else is dividing up 50%, why would he share the stage with them? I just don't think he ever goes. Here's another reason, and I've been saying this for some time. If I'm advising him, I'm saying if you show up, you're the target. If you don't show up, you'll still be a target. But DeSantis becomes the next target because he's right. between you and everybody else. And so this furthers the project of deflating DeSantis, and that's good. So let's talk about DeSantis. Before we get to that, just one quick thing, because I think that, that the one thing this ad really gets wrong is this idea of the voiceover says you're going to be reduced to spitballing from the sidelines. Every Republican today is going to get asked about Donald Trump and his target letter. Okay. Right. He, he can be on Mars and he's dominating yeah. the Republican Party conversation. This idea that somehow in order to drive the narrative or the debate or the discussion, he has to show up at the debate is 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 basically the fundamental difference as to why we have the primary right now that we do versus a, an election that we thought we might have going into 2023 and 2024. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. By the way, I, I said, let's talk about DeSantis. Let me just insert something here, which is if they move forward on this January 6th case, presumably one star witness. Now, the trial probably wouldn't be for a long time, maybe not before the election. And it probably wouldn't happen if it isn't before the election. But the guy who gave you know significant testimony here is Mike Pence. And man, is he paying a man, is he paying a price for that? He's still at this, as we sit here today, apparently doesn't have the signatures to get, I mean, the uh, the contributions, the number of contributors to qualify for this debate. He raised less money than Chris Christie. It, it's really kind of stunning uh, how far he's fallen uh, for, you know, a lot of people believe what he did on January 6th with it was a heroic thing. He did his you know, duty by testifying and he's paying a terrible price for it. He is. It, it's it, it, the question was going in. Who Who is he going to appeal to? Uh, are there enough people who, uh, well, I, we know the answer of what he wanted to do, which is I'm going to appeal to the people who like the Trump policies, but not the Trump personality and the chaos and January 6th and all of that. But I think a, because there are so many other, candidates uh, to go for and to support other than Pence to get at that. And because he has so much baggage, which is, you know, look, it, it, the irony, the um, the reality is kind of, it's kind of sad because he did stand up. Yes, he was a a, a, a Trump partner throughout the entire four years, but at the end- Kind of a toady. Okay, you're. I mean, 
Yeah, my words. <laughs> You're I allowed know. to say that. I know. But but at the end, he 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 did what he needed to do. Um, and it's it, it really is too bad. I think that is one of the many commentaries about where we are in our our political system. He made a Faustian bargain because he was in a governor's race back in 2016 that he was probably going to lose. And he 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 made a deal with Trump to be his ambassador to the evangelical community because he had this passionate following among evangelical voters. And now Trump took that away. He's got other people nibbling away at it. By all rights, a guy like Mike Pence should be a really strong candidate in Iowa. Right. Uh, right. Because there's a large number of evangelical voters, but DeSantis is going after them. Uh, Tim Scott is going after them hard, you know, other and Trump has his share of them. And yeah, it's a this is this. This is this is how Faustian bargains end. Not well. I saw damn Yankees. <laughs> and uh, and look at his, his. Yeah, that, that, that's the second hour of the podcast. Um, <laughs> the. Uh, his negatives are sky high among the Republican Party. And look, you, you want to talk about the power of Donald Trump? He's reprogrammed the base voters into believing that Mike Pence could and should have done something on that day. And had he, that Donald Trump would still be president today. And, and you know, Pence was confronted with a, a voter in Iowa that said as much just last week. And, um, you know, I, I there's just no room. Uh, in in on that side of the ledger for anything on this, and it's it's all pretty obvious. And I, I you know, going to be pretty stunning, as you said, David, if the most recent sitting Republican vice president doesn't even make the debate stage when yep. people you know that you barely ever heard of are clearly going to be on there. I mean, the debate stage is fascinating. I don't want to get away from the, you know, I, I my favorite is the governor of North Dakota who's offering you a $20 yeah. gift card for a $1 donation. Why do you think Murphy's like, not here? Murphy has so many gift cards that he's <laughs> took them and cashed them in and he's on a vacation uh, off of, of Bergam. I thought that was I thought that was pretty clever. It's wildly clever. I, I don't want that person legal. running. I don't want that that person nominating people to run the economy if they think a dollar <laughs> I'll give you if if you give me a dollar I'll give you 20 is is not the kind of bargain that I'm looking for. You can make that kind of bargain if you've got a billion dollars that you made. Exactly. In tech well, and it's you not your money, a, it's his you money. Get yeah. on a, on a on a debate stage so let's get to desantis you know uh my buddy uh pat quinn uh who was the governor of illinois the day after he was defeated i call him and i and i and he said uh well you know how it goes one day you're a peacock the next day you're a feather duster <laughs> uh, ron desantis was the peacock of the fall he was everybody's, uh, you know, he came off this big win in Florida. He uh, he soared up in the polls, closed in on Trump. He was the guy he and, and, and meanwhile, he fashioned himself as Trumpier than Trump. But the establishment glommed onto him as kind of the 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 insurgent of choice for the establishment to beat Trump. He raised a lot of money. And now the stories are all campaign in distress firing people, big burn rate. He's maxed his, his, most of his donors have maxed out uh, only 14% or something or small donations can't that, that could repeat. Like, I'm not surprised by this because I was never a big believer in the DeSantis thing, but where do you guys think he is right now? And is Robert and I experience what it's like to get written off and then come back? 
yeah. after you know so i i think it can happen question is can it happen for him in this race in this set of circumstances given his limitations as a candidate it's going to be harder. I mean, I was I've been thinking a lot about John McCain, whose campaign I covered. Right. Of course, he came back. He was written off. Re- totally written off. But he but he was John McCain. And exactly. he had a, you know, a, a, a lifetime of, of service and and goodwill with a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the people who are out there voting. Um, so it's it's just it's not. And the he was same. a pretty good performer, you know, he, very. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes. Better than in his his own way, in his own way. I mean, he had he he was authentic. Let's say that he was an authentic guy. I'm sorry, Dan, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, 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 exactly. No. But he he he, they had a bloated campaign. They spent too much money. He didn't have the people he should have had uh, running the campaign, fired them, got new people on and and clawed his way back. But but he had the he had the constitution small c in his body to do that i'm just not sure that that ron DeSantis is is that guy we should note that this is a historic day gibbs uh because um, i'm checking my watch to see what day it is yes <laughs> it, it's uh yeah what day is anyway he uh because ron DeSantis, are we allowed to say ron DeSantis <laughs> is going to appear this afternoon uh with uh dana's uh Stay the Union co-host Jake Tapper on his show, and it's really I think the first time that he's submitted himself. To, he's come out of the cocoon of right-wing yep. media and done an yep. interview with someone outside that cocoon. It's going to be really interesting to see how he handles that because he's not—he's a pretty ornery character when he gets pressed. I'm fascinated by how this interview is going to go because I, I wonder if this isn't one of those things. Ax, you'll remember we would have these discussions you know, where things weren't going well and you're like, you know what we need to do? We just need to do an interview and mix it up, you know? And it's like, okay, yes. what do you want to say? Well, you know, and and you sort of decide you want to do an interview before you decide what your message is. I'm going to be fascinated to see at the end of this interview, what is it that we took away from what it is he said and wanted us to take away? What's the message he's using this to drive mm-hmm. that That's makes it question. distinctive to what he would otherwise be doing and to me it and again whether this is simply a whether this is an actual shift in strategy which has been been written as versus oh okay i'm just looking to get somebody to punk and use as my message which quite frankly if that is one it's a waste of time right and energy uh because he he could punk the media whenever he wants to that's not you know that that's not going to be distinctive and and i think it's going to be interesting to see um, you know how Jake approaches the interview too, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know I think, I, you know I, I I don't think you have to be, and I'm not suggesting Jake would do this. I don't think you have to sort of throw quotes in front of him and ask him to like you know demand that he explain them. I, I think in many ways it's giving giving some space to let him answer and then using adroit follow ups to figure out sort of where he's going to go. I'm going to be fascinated. I think DeSantis writ large, David, is still in second place. That second place though is farther behind first place. Than and closer to third, right? Than he was. Uh, I think the real clear politics average last night was, or somebody said that you know he's dipped sort of below twenty percent in sort of the average. The FEC numbers, you know, he raised twenty million dollars, but to your point, seventy some percent of that can't donate again. Um, and and look, let's be clear on the FEC numbers. This was the easy money quarter for a lot of people, right? Who who are the people that have always backed you? 
that are going to give you that seed money to get this started. And the real question is, do you have the capability both in the polls and in donations to grow that amount of money, to grow that support? And that's really the important part of, of, of this candidacy. I still don't totally understand what the strategy is for DeSantis. I think this idea of like, I'm Trumpier than Trump. Yeah. You just like me more is just, I, I don't. I, I no, no. Hey, look, his strategy to date has been, I am a more effective version of Trump. I've done a lot of the things you want me to do. In, and I've yeah. accomplished it in Florida because I'm not nuts. Yeah. And I'll do the same uh, as president. Um, and and the the hope. I think on his part is that people will conclude, and many people in focus groups will say this, that Trump, they like Trump, but he can't win. And so we might as yeah. well go for the guy who will give us Trump and can win. And on paper, a 44-year-old guy running against Joe Biden, um, kind of muscular gubernatorial candidate, you, you know, that, that, look, that would be the sort of candidate that you would want. Uh, yeah. to run but it doesn't account for the guy's personal qualities and his brittleness and 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 so on trump's prosecuted an effective race against desantis he didn't let desantis do exactly what you just talked about which is yeah. roll out this idea that i'm the effective trump That's right. i'm the one who moved this through one of the biggest states in the country he sort of put his boot on his throat and never let him get up that's right and i think that's a huge huge uh, thing that that really it 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 put a ceiling on his ability to grow, and now it's pushing this stuff back down. I said this a you, couple weeks ago. We're going to see an Iowa poll in a couple of weeks or in a few weeks. Dan, please go talk to somebody at CNN and get them to do a decent Iowa poll, please. I'm so tired of like some pollster I've never heard of doing a national poll and us all being like, ooh, like th this race is going to be. Iowa and New Hampshire are going to have outsized impacts on this race. There's longer period of time between Iowa and sort of Super Tuesday, if you will, than there was in 2016, which means those victories are going to matter more. And I'm mm -hmm. dying to see Ann Seltzer's poll coming out of Iowa, uh, which we'll get again sometime in August or September to sort of see how real is the DeSantis. How, how real is he? Yeah. DeSantis likes to... Um I mean, as people like to talk about the Obama thing and compare it and say, just like Obama, you know, they're all in in Iowa. The governor's leaning their way, as Trump noted, the popular governor, uh, uh, you know, some of the evangelical leaders are going his way. I mean, because if he I mean, it's Iowa or bust for him. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they let Trump win Iowa, New Hampshire. Good luck. Right. It's over. I think that you two know this better than most, which is the the adage that you, you, you have to define yourself before others define you. And two things happened, I think, when we're going to be looking back, really looking through the rear, rear view mirror on this. We're going to look at what happened at the beginning of the DeSantis juggernaut. Uh, one is exactly what you said, Robert, that the Trump super PAC spent a lot of money well before DeSantis even announced uh, talking about how horrible he is. That absolutely had an impact. And the second is what Ron DeSantis did for Ron DeSantis, which is the, the way that he defined himself, how people know him, uh, is by all the things he did in Florida. And yes, that, of course, appeals to a lot of conservatives who are looking for the, the cultural issues to vote on. But there I think that there are conservatives who say that's not how we want to use government. What happened to 
keeping government out of our lives and letting people decide about uh, a lot of these these issues. And, and I think both of those things were very detrimental, mostly the Trump defining him detrimental. I mean, just now, you mentioned Iowa, just now he uh, has a, an ad, I think it's going to go up this week, using AI, which is a whole yeah. other discussion because okay. it's the first major use of AI uh, in this campaign to have Trump, fake Trump, AI Trump, read the truth social that he uh, wrote about Kim Reynolds, the Iowa governor, which was very negative. And so he's trying to turn the tables and define Trump in a different way. But can you imagine trying to redefine Donald Trump right now? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, good luck. Gibbs and I were, are old enough to remember when AI meant Allen Iverson, the great uh, <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers star. <laughs> Practice. Practice? <laughs> there are two fundamental flaws, uh, other than his own performance issues, which I think are significant. I mean, I think uh, that Ron DeSantis presents very much like a politician. And Trump's people don't think of him as a politician. They think of him as kind of the leader of a movement. They think of him, right. but they don't, they think he's, he is completely authentic. And, and that's not the way DeSantis presents. But there are two fundamental flaws. Uh, one is, um, that he says that he can win and Trump can't. And in service of beating Trump, he's taking positions like the six-week abortion ban that will make it more difficult for him to win. I mean, he's painting yeah. himself so far to the right. The second is uh, he wants to he wants Trump to collapse, but he's unwilling to make the case against him uh, in an overt way. So I assume Jake's first question, and we'll know by the time people hear this podcast, uh, it will be about this target letter. Right. And he's going to ask what, I mean, you have a guy in DeSantis who's campaigning against Trump as a loser, but mm -hmm. won't acknowledge that he lost. Yeah. And he already, DeSantis already over the weekend, I think, uh, admitted that a part of the reason it's where we started this conversation, why Donald Trump has done so well in the primary polling with Republicans is because of these indictments. And now he has another one. Right. Well, and to yeah. your point, David, and the reason I ask about the strategy is they're all going to well, get asked I shouldn't about say that. Today. Let me just correct myself. Let me just correct the record. Now he may we don't have know if another he, one. We don't know if he has an indictment. He has a target letter. Yeah. That, that could be good for a point or two. The reason I ask about the strategy, though, is they're all going to get asked about this today, and they're all essentially going to defend Donald Trump. Right? They're all, in a moment in which you know, Chris Christie won't. Um, and, and maybe Mike Pence won't, but somebody, Don't nobody, of stature, <laughs> nobody of stature is going to sit in there and say, and it'll be interesting to see, because if, if you're, if you're DeSantis, you say, look, this is one of the reasons I'm running, right? I, we love Donald Trump's policies. Um, you know, we support blah, 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 blah. But this is a, an indication that he can't win. This is, that's essentially the message that uh, not as eloquently as you outlined acts, but I don't know that that has a place in the, I don't, I don't see that that has, people hate it when I use the word lane here, but I don't know where that has a lane that actually is going to get people to shift from Trump into Ron DeSantis. Okay, then let's take a break right here and we'll be right back.
for all of what heaping on Ron DeSantis, I still think he's he's in second place, as you said, closer to third. But I, I can't I can't see among the other candidates somebody that has the type of potential staying power and or the amount of money in a super PAC to fight this out. So as we say, Ron DeSantis has had a kind of challenging two months. He's still the most likely if somebody were to overtake Trump, uh, still the most likely. As you talk about Biden, I mean, you mentioned this earlier. He had a he had a really strong week. NATO, uh, the inflation numbers. You know, it's going to be interesting to see in the next two or three months. Does some of that? And I don't think the NATO stuff will, because I, I don't I don't think that people live Ukraine. Most people live it on a daily basis. But it's going to be interesting to see. Do any of the economic numbers? become stronger for Biden? Does his job approval become stronger as it relates to the economy now that prices have come down, now that yeah. there's they remove that barrier? Because yeah. I think we both think, Acts, that, that you know going into the election with approval numbers like that and particularly economic approval numbers like that are warning signs. Doesn't mean you yeah. can't win, but warning signs. Well, the question is whether people, uh, the, the, their attitudes are baked in and he can't move these right. numbers. I mean, I really do think this is going to be largely rest on the comparative and whether this becomes something larger than just he can't let it be a referendum campaign. I'm told by our crack producer, Hannah McDonald, that Dana has to go on the air. Is that true? Apparently, yes, it is, because we're doing uh you know, we started the podcast with the breaking news, and now I have to go on the TV and talk breaking about news. it. Yeah, we're doing special coverage. We are honored that we got you first. Thanks for having me. Will you guys have me back? And I'll have yes. you guys on IP. Because yeah, yeah. In, in we, it, we want to. Fun. I don't know if Gibbs's MSNBC contract will allow Oh, wait, that. I forgot. We'll figure yeah. that out. But uh, uh, no, uh, I, uh, yeah. I tell you, going back many, 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 many years, Watching inside politics, I guess it won't, you know, what, what time is it now? It used to be at four o'clock and I just remember on now it's, it's noon. at noon. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for knowing that, Robert. It's at yeah. noon Eastern. <laughs> he's not even allowed, by the way, under his contract. I know. He's not I even know, allowed I know. to watch CNN. <laughs> he's not allowed to know I'm about see, CNN. I'm sending this to my minders at NBC and MSNBC. <laughs> it's at 12 noon Eastern, nine o'clock Pacific on CNN. And watch it because it's such, it's the smartest show on politics on Aww. on television it's not as smart as it's a fun. podcast that no. we uh, called hacks on tap but it's very close second thanks for joining great to have you guys you're the best See you. love you both thanks. bye Same. i know people anxiously await the mailbag and the new book club we're skipping that this week but we'll be back to them on next week's episode so i wanted to mention i said earlier that the uh we were talking about the no labels party did you get a chance to read their they they released their roadmap <laughs> yesterday let me just say to anybody who, who is who's counting on it to get somewhere find a different roadmap because it was like it was like a uh, seven, 72 pages of kind of fortune cookie truisms meant to offend no one and uh with no solutions and not, nothing that would uh, risk and you know what it read like and i'm not saying this is what happened it read like Mark Penn did one of those polls where he asked 200 questions. He yeah. picked the, you know, the top 30 that tested well, and they used the phraseology that he used in the poll and threw it in a book and called it common sense. So they're going to have to do better if they're going to be taken seriously. Yeah, and let's just let's let's pull this apart a little bit. I mean, the, the idea that they basically said, look, we're not going to run a candidate unless we can win. And, and let's just be clear. 
no third party, no third party candidates getting 270 electoral votes. The chances that whoever they nominate, if they were to run a candidate on the no labels platform is a 0% chance of winning. They're only going to be a spoiler candidate. As we talked about earlier, there's no chance. Joe Manchin is not winning California, right? He's not winning Texas. He's not winning Illinois. He's not winning New York. He's not winning Florida. So there's zero way. They, you know, they put out a list of like 27 states or something where they thought they could get 286 electoral votes. Illinois was on there. Right. I'm running to Vegas on that one. (laughs) I was going to say. I feel good about it. I'm running to the drugstore to get a drug test for the person who thinks (laughs) that uh, Joe Manchin's winning Illinois. Because it's just, I mean, so, and I, and I love Durbin's uh, tease line because uh, I love Joe Manchin, who's you know getting probably less good at playing this role. Said, "Look, to be clear, if I was a candidate, I would win, but I'm not sure I'm going to run." <laughs> Actually, yes. have you ever been in the room with a politician that was convinced if they ran for president, they would unequivocally win, but hadn't decided whether they wanted to be president of the United States? Yeah, I think what's going on with Manchin is they're waiting to see how this Republican race in Wisconsin shakes out because they think they might be able to be, beat West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. I'm sorry. How they might want to they, they feel like they can beat uh, Alex Mooney, the right-wing congressman but they're not sure they can beat the governor and they're they're hoping perhaps even uh betting that uh that mooney will uh show signs of life but you know mansion's gonna have to make a decision in the early part of the uh you know probably in january and so he's gonna have to make that calculation but if he's making the calculation on the bet that he uh is going to be the next president of the united states uh yeah you're right he 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 should go and get that drug test <laughs> well yeah and I, I don't know whether you know look mansion is going to be better at west virginia politics than either of us are ever going to be but i do wonder the more you flirt with this idea of running for president to you know do i i i know that he adroitly plays this idea of i'm not a national democrat i'm something very unique i'm very west virginia I'm not this, I'm not that. I mean, the idea of no labels is exactly what he wants people in West Virginia to think of him. But I, I just don't know that flirting with this is, um, I don't think people are going to think, okay, my Senator going to New Hampshire is, is helping, is helping me in West Virginia all that much. So I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, but I also, again, I go back to this idea that that no third party candidate's going to win. Every third party candidate's going to have to reckon with the idea of, that all they're there to do is, is spoil some amount of vote for somebody else. Uh, you know, John Anderson, uh, I think got what 19, no Perot got 19%. I forget what Anderson got in 1980. Uh, but you know, when you, when you take those two out, you know, you just don't have a lot of third party success in this country. And, you know, I think people can tell a pollster they don't, they aren't thrilled about a Trump Biden rematch. But I don't see a lot of them looking to say, okay, I think we should vote for candidate three or candidate four or candidate five, understanding that they're just throwing that vote away. Yeah, I mean, the most successful third party candidate ever was, I guess, Teddy Roosevelt. I think he got 27 percent of the vote. I don't think he got any electoral votes. I'm going to have to check on that. 
Axe, looking at the FEC numbers, the rest yes. of the FEC numbers and sort of the positioning, you know, I posit that that DeSantis is still the likeliest candidate to topple Trump if somebody does. Looking at the FEC numbers and just looking at what's happening in kind of Iowa, New Hampshire, and writ large, who else catches your attention? Well, you know, Murphy mentioned that Nikki Haley raised a respectable amount of money, enough to keep her uh, going for a while. Um you know, Trump and DeSantis, nobody else. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, um, and Tim Scott, you Tim know, came Scott. in with a lot of money. He's got, you know, he's got enough money to run a serious campaign and he's the sort of, he's, if there's a flavor of the moment on the Republican side among the establishment Republicans, it's Tim Scott. I mean, there, you see people moving off of DeSantis and thinking maybe, maybe, uh, Scott can do it. And then there's, you know, people who are waiting to see if uh, Youngkin gets off the sidelines. But, you know, nobody knocked my, nobody knocked my socks off. The thing uh, I wanted, I haven't looked, someone told me, but I haven't looked at the distribution of that 72 million that Biden uh, released, but how much was his campaign and how much was allied committees and the dnc do you know i I don't know and i I, i'd have to look at it too because there's there's money that can be transferred from the dnc through uh through party committees basically you you know you have a joint fundraising agreement with the dnc so you go to an event and give say ten thousand dollars and the candidate gets their money and the party gets their money so it's it's still joe biden for president uh, we need money. to get Rube Goldberg on the next show to exp- <laughs> to just talk us through the FEC. Uh, That's the FEC, right? Joint yeah. fundraising agreements. Yes. Before we go, one other note: you saw Robert Kennedy Jr., who's running in the Democratic primary on sort of Republican conspiracy theories, uh, uh, said uh, last week that uh, the covid virus was constructed in such a way as to uh as to immunize chinese and uh, ashkenazi jews so i said last night on cnn i am an ashkenazi jew i think a hundred percent and uh how many times have you twice <laughs> twice so right. as i said last night either i'm gonna have to visit 23 and me and find out if my parents lied to me and uh I had all those bar mitzvah lessons for nothing, or his theory is a little rickety, but hmm. uh, that guy, yeah. I-, I will say I'm surprised though, you hear from odd places, oh, you know, he's he's really interesting and he's, now all of the growth in his vote is among Republicans. He's like, he's very, he's pretty popular among Republicans now, not popular among Democrats. Uh, and probably the Democrats who like him are people who revere the name as I do, but I'm sorry to see him sully the name. Uh, yes. And, and I, I, I laughed at, at your lead in on that and, and we should just step back and take what he said extraordinarily seriously and pull it apart. I mean, it's what we're seeing on the democratic side is the Trump. He's the democratic Donald Trump when it comes to misinformation and the amount of this that gets pumped into the ecosystem uh, of of our information uh, is we are lessening the number of people that support 
the, the types of vaccines that allow children to go to school and be healthy. Right, uh, right, right. The, the dangerous dangerous with which he's approaching this uh, has to be taken seriously. I, I'm I'm heartened to see both his family speak out against him. I'm I'm heartened to see Democrats begin to speak out against him. I I, I think from a strategy. Letting him continue to talk is a politically a good thing for somebody like Joe Biden because I, I think he uh, he reminds you that he's not his father every time he opens his mouth. The the danger of when he opens his mouth and covering it is that it is going to fall on some amount of ears that believe it. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And it's uh, you know again for us that uh, you know that that looked at his father and 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 his uncles and uh, and were inspired by what politics and public service could do uh it, it is sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree axe and in this case uh you know i, I this is a guy who was was you know 15 20 years ago thought of as a great environmentalist yes and and deserve, and deserve. a legitimate candidate for the u.s senate out of a place like new york so yeah. um just but a dangerous spewing of misinformation and i think I think this one quickly jumped over the line, and uh, I I think the idea that 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 he's going to get flirted with all that much now is uh, is much less so than it might have been two or three weeks ago, mm-hmm. when you know he seemed just as as you said, an alternative with a fabulous Democratic last name. And with that, Gibbs, always good to be with you, brother. Always good to be with you. Great to have Dana. Uh, we got to get her back. And uh, there's uh, the great pageant of democracy rolls on here. We're going to have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. So see you soon. 